0: Second Chronicles chapter number 26. Thank you for singing and I've enjoyed being with you tonight and enjoyed watching everybody get pelted with candy and um, you have to explain to your parents why you can't see out of your one eye now when you go to the house. But anyway, that's been good. I appreciate that. Thank you for coming tonight and for traveling in to be a part of this meeting and I'm honored to have a part in it as well. Thank you for the invitation and uh, for hosting me so well. I appreciate that and uh, it was good today to get picked up. It took us about 30 minutes to figure out where I was. I didn't know where I was in the airport either, but we did figure it out eventually, and I flew in today from California. Anybody ever been to California before? Let me apologize, okay? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not from there. I just got crazy. God messed messed me up, put me in California. But anyway, flew in today from Santa Clara, California, and uh, looking forward. I had a man in my Sunday school class. He's moving from uh, Tennessee to California, the Santa Clara area to work, and he said, where are you going this week? And I said, well, I'm going to fly into Denver. He goes, oh, Denver. He said, I flew in there last week. He said, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, it was 12 degrees. And for, so I was scared to death. So I looked at the weather. I thought, I told my wife, I so said, I'm going to have to get out my winter overcoat. And then I looked and it said like 64 today and 67 tomorrow. And I thought, that guy's either crazy or your weather is. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is? All right. Well, the weather fits the people. All right, right, Second Chronicles, chapter number 26. If you're able to stand, stand with me quickly. We'll read verse number 1 down through verse number 5, and then I'm going to read the entirety of Psalm 119 just to get loose. All right, glad you're paying attention. I'm just joking. All right, right, Second Chronicles, chapter number 26. The Bible says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. And he built Elith and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. Now, I want to draw your attention to three words in verse number 5. And it's a testimony of this young man, a 16-year-old man who becomes king. The Bible says this about him. He sought God. And the Bible says that because he sought God, God made him to prosper. But not only did he prosper, but because he sought God for a while while he was in power, at least... His nation prospered. I'm convinced that what we need in our generation is somebody that will follow the example we find of this young man and will commit to be an individual, a young man, a young lady that will seek God. I mean, this young man sought God and his nation prospered. For a little while this evening, I want to preach on this thought. Someone needs to be a seeker for the sake of our generation. And I'm praying God will raise up somebody, even if it's just one, that will resolve to say, I'll be that one that will seek God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for power to preach. I pray that you would just for a little while arrest our attention. I pray that we'd hear from heaven tonight. God, there might be a young man here. I pray that you'd speak to his heart, a young lady. God, that you'd help them to resolve to be that person. If nobody else does, that they'd have a hunger to seek after you. I pray for liberty and I ask for power to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. In 1872, there was a young lady by the name of Marianne Adler. Marianne Adler lived in London, England, and she was a shut-in. She was not able to go to church, but while she was laying in bed, she would pray for her church. And she was praying that God might send revival. She couldn't sit in a pew, but she could seek God. She couldn't attend, but she could go to God and ask that God would move in her church. And she prayed faithfully. She was given a publication. The title of the paper was simply called Revival. And in that publication, there was a story, an article about a man by the name of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a preacher in America, and he held very many successful revival campaigns. She began to pray and seek God that God would send D.L. Moody to her church to have revival meetings. Now, D.O. Moody just happened to have a break in his schedule, and it just so happened that he felt led to go to England on vacation, and it just so happened that he decided to go to London, England, and it just so happened that he had decided to attend a church that was the church that was the church of Ann Adler, can I say God was working in all these things? D.L. Moody sat in a pew one day, and the pastor saw that famous preacher there, and he said, I'm not going to preach today. D.L. Moody's here. He said, Mr. Moody, I would like for you to preach for us today. And D.L. Moody didn't plan it, but he went to the pulpit and began to preach. He began to preach, and hundreds of people began to get saved. So many people began to get saved and stirred in that meeting that that little church grew by 400 people just because D.L. Moody happened to visit and happened to preach those revival meetings. He said he was so stirred by what happened, he started to seek out the cause of that meeting. He said, I've never been in a meeting like that. And he began to search and ask around, and he said his inquiries, his search took him to the house of a young lady by the name of Mary Ann Adler, who'd been laying in bed seeking God for revival in her church. There's a poem, maybe you've heard it before, it says, I met God in the morning when my day was at its best, and His presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long the presence lingered, all day long He stayed with me, and we sailed in perfect calmness o'er a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered, other ships were sore distressed, but the winds that seemed to drive them brought to us a peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mind, when I too had loosed the moorings with that presence left behind. So I think I know the secret. learned from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. I'm glad that our God is a seeker. I'm glad that like the manek of Gadara, I was in bondage. But thank God, he sought me. Like Saul of Tarsus, I was wicked. But he sought me. Like Lazarus, I was dead in my sin. But thank God... He sought me. The old hymn says, Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. And I'm glad tonight our God is a seeker. God created man and then sought fellowship with him. Jesus died for sinners and seeks to save sinners. The Holy Spirit resides within you and I who are saved and he seeks to conform us to the image of Christ. And I'm glad tonight that our God's a seeker. I'm glad our Savior is a seeker. I'm glad the Holy Spirit of God is a seeker. And I'm convinced tonight that our God smiles upon, our God will bless and use someone who follows His example and earnestly seeks after God. In the book of Hebrews, we find a long list of what we call the heroes of the faith. But at the beginning of the chapter, the Bible says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You see, there'd be no heroes of the faith to talk about had there not been some men and ladies who set out to diligently and earnestly seek after God. Noah was a seeker. Abraham was a seeker. Enoch was a seeker. Colossians 3, one says that we're to set our affections on things above. And I'm convinced that in this era of Christianity. When most are wrapped up in seeking a dollar. And most are wrapped up in seeking comfort. And many are wrapped up in seeking success in this world. I'm convinced that what our generation needs. Is the same thing that Uzziah's generation needed. And we need a young man. Or a young lady. That'll resolve. Hey I don't care what the crowd does. I'm going to set myself to hunger. And thirst after righteousness. And I'm going to seek after god my burden tonight is this my prayer tonight is this that someone will resolve to be a seeker for our generation pride's a poisonous thing in the heart of a person can i say pride can take the most pure motives and taint those motives you and i've got to be careful that we don't let the fire of pride burn within us here's a good thing to remember if you want god to use your life you better remember you're nothing he's everything and if God decides to use you, it's not because you're good, it's because God is good. Say amen right there. Whenever we, be, whenever we allow pride to rise up in our heart, can I tell you, pride can take, it, take an agenda that starts off as a holy agenda, an agenda that would be a blessing to God and taint it and make it a perverse agenda. And that's exactly where we find this young man but then of Uzziah at the end of his life. Now, I'm just going to mention this in passing, but it wouldn't be justice to the text if I didn't. Uzziah starts well, but he ends wrong. You'll find that God blesses Uzziah. And because God blesses Uzziah, he gets his eyes off of God and puts his eyes on the blessings of God. Can I say, we've got to be careful that whenever things are good in our life, that we don't get our eyes off the one who gave us those good things. I thank God for food on the table and shoes on our feet and money in the bank, but don't forget it was God that put your shoes on your feet and the food on your table, the clothes on your back, and it's God that puts the money in the bank. The Bible says that Uzziah is strong in verse 16, and because of that, his heart is lifted up to his own destruction. There's a day when Uzziah goes uh, to, the, to, the, to the altar. Uzziah begins to enter into an area that is not his. Uzziah is a king and has rights to the throne. But he does not have rights to the altar. He's not a priest. Uzziah approaches the altar to burn incense. And the high high priest stops him and says, Uzziah, wait a minute. He said, you don't have any rights to that. And Uzziah did not respond well to preaching. Now let me stop and say that what makes or breaks a meeting like this is how you determine to respond to preaching. Can I say the preacher can preach, we can sing the songs, we can pelt you with candy all night long. But if you blow up like a bullfrog and say, you're not going to get through to me, can I say, hey, it's not going to do anything for you. The best way to come to church is to come to church with the prohibitions gone, with the gate down, with the, I mean, the key in the lock, unlock it, let God have his way. Come to church just saying, God, whatever you speak to me about, I'll obey. I promise you, that's the best way to come to church. But Uzziah bows up, and he goes ahead and reaches his hand with that incense toward the altar. And the Bible says that God strikes him with leprosy. What a horrible testimony it is. This young man that started out so right, ends his life so wrong, and he dies outside the will of God in a leper colony forever. That testimony, Uzziah disobeyed the Lord. But I'm glad he didn't start that way. Not everything is negative in his life. In fact, there's a phrase I want us to look at this evening. And as I read that, God used it to stir my soul. I'm praying that God will use it to stir yours as well. Uzziah didn't start out a failure. Uzziah didn't start off backsliding and getting out of the will of God. But Uzziah, in the beginning of his life, has a character trait, if you will, that I think that if you and I can get it down, we might just make a difference in our generation. Now, Uzziah took the throne when he was a young man. The Bible says he was only 16 years old when he assumed that position of authority. Now, can you imagine the weight... That would be placed upon his shoulders. I mean, the day-to-day decisions Uzziah'd have to make. I mean, all of the policies he'd be put in charge of. Can you imagine the responsibility that would be Uzziah's as a 16-year-old young man becoming king of a nation? I mean, he's not even old enough to vote in our society. He's not even old enough to join the military. He's barely old enough to drive and probably wouldn't be a bad thing if we didn't kick that up another year or two for some of the girls, same in right there. Uh, But Uzziah, a 16-year-old young man, and now he's the king. Think about it. He didn't have much experience. Think about it. He'd not had any training. Think about it. He'd never even led a family, let alone a nation, and now he's placed on the throne. Now, let me give a little public service announcement and say that that's an indictment against the uh, brand of manhood we have in America today if this 16-year-old young man, I mean, had enough character to lead a nation. And we've got 16-year-old young men today that don't even know how to tie their shoes. Same men right there. I mean, their plans for life is to live in mama's basement, suck down chocolate milk, eat Cheetos and play video games till the 35, live on daddy's insurance. Everybody all right? I mean, I mean, they know more about essential oils than changing the oil in their car. They don't know how to gut a squirrel. They don't know how to skin a fish. They can't drive a stick shift. Hey, amen. I mean, they got, looks like they got dressed in the baby girl section of Gap or something, the skinny jeans. Got the, everybody all right? I'm feeling like preaching now. It's a little bit tight at first. They got their hair cut with a weed eater. They don't go to the barber shop. They go to mama's salon when they want to get their hair done. Can I say, they... That's sad, isn't it? That is sad. Hey, by the way, it's all right if you're a man to act like a man every once in a while. It'd be all right. It'd be all right if you wanted to get outside and get dirty. I mean, go ahead and burp and scratch and spit and sweat. I mean, put some camouflage on. Ask your girlfriend if it's okay. But, I mean, go ahead and just do that every once in a while. It's okay. I mean, get a little bit of blood from a dead animal on your fingers every once in a while. Come home smelling like a fish that you caught at the lake. It's all right. It won't hurt you a bit. I mean, come on. On, give me a break. If we had a draft today, I tell you, we might as well just go ahead and surrender. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing some people. I'm thinking, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, but in spite of all you, I don't know where I was. In spite of all of you, that, that felt pretty good. Yeah. In spite of all Uzziah's shortcomings, he still saw success. In spite of him being at such, up against such great odds, he still excelled, if you will... You study it out, the nation was strengthened under that young man. The enemies were subdued under that young man. The people were blessed under that young man. The families of the country were benefited under that young man. They saw a measure of revival if you will, under a 16 year old young man that became king. He wasn't a mighty man of war. He wasn't a great prophet. He wasn't some old wise sage somewhere. Just a 16 year old old young man and here's what i believe if god could use a teenager then he probably could still use a teenager today you see it's not the tool it's the one who yields the tool that makes the difference and what could god do if we just had someone like he is i our generation now i think we find the key to his success in verse number five we read it a minute ago just three words but i think this is why all these good things took place early in the ministry of Uzziah. Here it is. The Bible says he sought God. Can I say that's out of character for a young man like that? That wasn't normal. And by the way, that's the problem with some of us. We want to be normal in the eyes of the world. He sought God. He didn't know maybe all the stats from his football team, but he sought God. Hello? He might not have got the likes and the retweets and whatnot on his social media. But the Bible says he sought God. He said, I don't want to be what they expect. I want to be the exception. And he set his heart to seek after God. Here's why. Because he understood. I don't have the understanding to rule. So I'll seek the one who knows it all. I don't have the power to rule. So I'll seek the one who has all the power. I don't know what I'm getting into. So I'll seek the one who knows the end from the beginning. And when he sought the throne... And he got the throne. He didn't seek after power. He didn't seek after popularity. He set his heart to seek after one thing. He began to hunger and search out and seek the face of God. Can I say in our generation we're trying everything but God to get us to where we want to get I mean in our churches in the area of revival we're doing everything but seeking after God we're so good at marketing we're so good at putting out the posts on social media, we're so good about all these things that maybe the business world, but where's that group of people that have a hunger for God lose some sleep at night, get out on the back 40 somewhere, put their face in the ground and say God God, we need you more than we need Wi-Fi. We need you more than we need a slick piece of graphic design. We need you more than we need the favor of some politician or some celebrity. Hey, God, we need you. Where's that crowd seeking after God in our generation? Now, the tendency of a young man, no doubt, would be to seek the crowd and to seek what's popular and to seek what everybody else was doing, but not this young man. And the nation was blessed because of it. I'll say it again, there's too many folks who want to fit in. I don't want to fit in. I want to stand out. Now tonight, our nation's in a mess. And for you not to agree with me tells me either you don't have TV or you're willingly ignorant. Say amen right there. Because you can't turn it on. You can't listen to the radio. You can't pick up a newspaper without realizing that we are in a mess in America. I mean, we live in a nation where they try to call that which is abnormal, normal. And that which is normal, they now say is abnormal. We got folks that literally cannot figure out what restroom to use. Everybody all right? NSA is listening in right now, are they not? We're in a mess. I mean, perversity being pushed, these green policies being promoted. They turned off the lights on us in California a couple days ago. Did you see that on the news? God bless their hearts. But anyway, I mean, the average church in America, just a few people away from being closed down, these are desperate times. These are bad times. These are dark times. We're on a downward path, and it seems like we're going that way quicker and quicker. Every day, our college campuses are turning out of foot soldiers for socialism instead of future educators and inventors and folks who can help make America go down the right direction. I remember I was preaching them. I was preaching in uh, Oberlin, Ohio, the uh, week after uh, President Trump became president, and a very liberal college where Charles Finney used to pastor. They rented out that uh, auditorium so we could have a sort of the Lord conference there. So we had rights to the auditorium, but the rest of the college was just business as usual. Very liberal place. And on all four corners of that college campus, they had pop-up tents set up with kittens. And they were offering free hugs and kittens. For all the millennials to pet and get hugs because they were so distraught that they didn't win their election. You might start needing those at youth rallies, at least some of y'all responding to preaching. Uh, but anyway, but that's our nation. I was talking to the preacher about it. You know, one of the candidates uh, running for, uh, on, on the Democratic side, trying to become their nominee. He telling tell me he's got 0% of the Democratic vote. That tells you you're pretty bad. But he actually came out and literally said that uh, he would like to take away church's tax-exempt status. And for folks who don't turn over certain kind of guns, then the government just come take them. We're only one election, election away from losing our country. Hello? I mean, it's a lot worse. And I'm not a pessimist, and I'm not trying to be uh, depressing, and I'm not trying to be discouraging. But I want you to understand something. It, it, it's pretty bad. I mean it's pretty bad. I mean when you turn on the news and all you hear about is impeachment or corruption or this or the other principles sort of a forgotten thing and it seems, like, it seems like as you look out it just seems like we're on the wrong side of things and it breaks my heart and I tell you I've been traveling the country for 13 years every single week preaching and the reason we do this and burn the midnight oil is because we're trying to see God do something in America but can I say you're going to have to get it burned for your generation some of you young men are going to have to let God open your eyes and get a burden for your generation. Some of you young ladies are going to have to get a burden for your generation. I want to see churches growing again. And I'd like to see new churches started. I'd like to see the buses full and bringing young people to church. I'd like to see souls saved and revival taking place. But somebody's going to have to get serious about seeking God. I'm afraid we put more effort into knotting our necktie on Sunday morning than getting God's touch on us for Sunday morning. We spend more time doing our hair than we do in prayer. Seeking God. We spend more time worried about keeping the church clean than getting our heart clean before God. We need somebody to seek God. I'm here for one reason. I want to enlist you tonight. I'm just looking for one. Only if it's just one, it doesn't matter. One of you young men, it might be you. A young lady, it might be you. It doesn't have to be a crowd. We just need a remnant. If I could just get one to sign up tonight to serve God, you might can make a difference in your generation. I just want you to imagine. There's just a big blank sign-up sheet up here on the altar, and I wonder if you'd write your name on it. Abraham was a seeker. Noah was a seeker. David was a seeker. Peter and Paul, they were seekers. Those who make a difference, those who make an impact, are those that want to step out and say, I'm going to seek after God. I just wish we could... I read about stories about the former generation I get so tired of reading about it though I thank God for it but I don't want to just read about it I don't want to just study a case study in what Christianity was boy I'd like to see it in our generation but where's the young man in our generation everybody says boy I hear stories about these preachers like a a Billy Sunday type preacher yeah but where's that for this generation hello where's this generation who's going to knock the walls down in this generation Who's going to slay the giant in this generation? Who's going to be there to preach a Pentecost kind of a day in this generation? Who's going to step out from the crowd in this generation? I mean, who's going to spend more time seeking God than they do working on their shot in this generation? Why don't you get a burden to seek the lost for this generation? I mean, for the sake of those hurting, for the sake of those in bondage to sin, for the sake of your church and your city and your country, would you seek after God? We pray seeking answers. Why don't you pray seeking God? I think sometimes we preach seeking results. We ought to preach seeking God. We go to church seeking entertainment. We ought to go to church seeking God. We go soul winning seeking souls. And I understand that's okay. But you ought to go soul winning seeking God. We try to stay clean because we seek his power. But why don't you just stay clean because you're seeking him. We want to seek applause. God said you just seek my approval. Paul said it for all seek their own. But not the things which are Jesus Christ. And there's a crowd that wants to seek fame and fortune and all these things. But if we just had one that would seek God. We don't need another LeBron. Hello. We don't have to have another Lady Gaga. Ga- ga- ga. Hello. But boy, it would be a blessing if we could just get somebody to get hungry for God. I never planned on doing what I'm doing tonight. I was talking to the preacher back there, I didn't get saved till I was 21 years old. I never would have done this on a Friday night when I was your age. In fact, I'd have made fun of my friends who did do it. My mom was a church piano player. My dad taught Sunday school, and I skipped every time. That, I mean, I, I'd get out of it—stomach ache, swine flu, whatever. I didn't care about the things of God. Could have cared less. I'm the last person you'd ever expect God to use. I never talk about my pre-salvation. There's no reason to, but I mean, lived up in the world, all the things you think about, seen it done, it, been around. I never would've dreamed that it'd been a Friday night when I'd be in Brighton, Colorado, preaching to a bunch of people I really don't know that well. I mean, I'm from a holler on the backside of nowhere in West Virginia. That's where I'm from. I mean, we grew up so far out there, there's still no cell phone service. Where my wife grew up, they, we always say, they pump the moonshine out and the sunshine in, you know what I mean? That's just how far out she lives. And it was her family doing it. But anyway, mainly my mother-in-law. And if you are around her, you'd partake. <laughs> bless her heart her bites worse than her bark even but anyhow i never would have thought i was going to do this my plan was to be a school teacher so i could coach sports and not work in the summer say amen right there and west virginia you get the week of thanksgiving off which is deer season so it's like a national holiday we don't get off for thanksgiving we get off for deer season is that all right we like to shoot things i always tell me if you're a baptist preacher you got to shoot something you're gonna go crazy. But if I could testify and tell you the things God's let me see and the places God lets me has God has let me preach and the places, can I tell you something? You can't beat a life given to God in the will of God, surrender to God. And I wish I could take and transfer that to your heart and you just see it. You say, But God couldn't use me. I'm from a broken heart. Hey, God could use you. You say, but God couldn't use me. I don't, know, I, I don't know much Bible. Hey, God could use you. You say, but I don't think God can use me. I'm blonde. No, he, he probably couldn't. Hey, no, God could use you. And I'm just trying to tell you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. God wants to use you this evening. You seek his face. Seek his power. I remember whenever I first, um, we got married, and uh, I got married in the month of July, uh, July 29th I do remember but anyway July 29th and then in the month of I think it was the end of September I was in church in Charlotte North Carolina I was teaching in a school and I went to church just like any other normal Sunday morning I sat on the front row by the way I think that's why people don't sit on the front row because they're scared God might do something if they do but anyway I sat in the front row and I didn't expect anything just business as usual I was going to go to church fulfill our duty and go to the house and that preacher preached on Elijah and Elisha and he took off his sport coat threw it on the ground and said I wonder who will pick up the mantle and be a preacher and he began to run the list. And I thought, man, some of these young men ought to pick up the mantle and be a preacher. And about that time, God grabbed a hold of my heart. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt, God wanted me to preach. And then I remember I crawled to that altar and surrendered my heart to God to preach. I went to school and I was so fired up. I was a history teacher. And it's hard to be fired up in history. But I was, I was, a, I, I was a history teacher. And I went to school and I took my Bible with me to school that day. And I didn't even know in the history books. Amen right there. But anyway. I opened up my Bible, and I said, take your Bible, go to Genesis chapter number 19, and I preached the devil out of seven class periods of kids in that Christian school that day, and had nine of them get saved. God set my heart on fire, I was watching the clock hand go around thinking, I'm wasting my life sitting in the classroom, I gotta go preach, and I quit my job, Now that sounds pretty spiritual, but my wife was ticked, uh, but anyway, uh, I, went, <laughs> I went to the house, and I told her I quit my job, and she looked at me waiting for the punchline, and now she's still waiting for that punchline, I was the, the joke. but anyway, I, I said, I, I quit. And I remember my wife and I, we had, we had a nice new house, nicest house that we'd ever lived, either one of us ever lived in, new cars, new furniture. We got rid of all that because we couldn't afford it. You know what happens when you quit your job? You quit getting paid. So we moved across the state line to South Carolina. It was cheaper. And we found this old little dilapidated double-wide trailer. And we moved in that double-wide trailer, and we had uh, just a uh, some old ratty carpet in there and there's holes in the walls from whoever lived there before it smelled like cigarettes which was a blessing we didn't have to buy my wife anymore she could just breathe in from the second hand but anyway nah, i'm kidding nah, i'm kidding she's gonna kill me don't video this but we moved in that thing it was a mess i remember there's a hole in the wall there in the bedroom and my wife said there's something in that i stuck my i took a bit no, it's nothing alive. I, stuck, I took those grill tongs that we had and stuck them in there and pulled out a petrified biscuit. Whoever lived there before us, somebody dodged a biscuit. You know what I mean? <laughs> My wife was making french fries one day, and I said, Honey, what are you doing? She said, I'm making french fries, that old nasty stove they had there. I said, I think we better clean out that stove. I said, those things smell rotten. She said, I don't know what it is. When we found out what it was, Mama Mouse put her babies in the back of that stove. Oh, you bunch of hippies! We ate every. It, we didn't. It, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, wait till you see what they got for you tonight. <laughs> I remember getting in the back room of that little double-wide trailer, and had red carpet in it. And that red carpet had black cigarette burns all throughout it from whoever lived there before we did. I remember getting back there, and I never went to I never went to Bible college and things. And I teach in one and preach in them all the time, but I never even went to Bible. college. Don't tell anybody that. You you should you should go to one I'm at. But anyway, uh, I never went to Bible college. I didn't have a dad who was a preacher. I didn't know anything about anybody. I just got in that back room, and all I knew is I wanted God to use me. And I began to pray and just ask God that He'd open up doors for us to to go places and preach and began to get phone calls, juvenile detention centers and nursing homes. I preached some of the hardest sermons on fornication at the nursing home you ever heard. Uh, but anyway, I mean, this is where we started to preach them. I'd preach out on the street, just preach wherever God would open the door for us to preach. I got a phone call from a church in West Virginia, then one in South Carolina. And that first year in evangelism, God let me preach 20 week long revival meetings began to open doors. But I remember what God was doing in my heart, begging God that he'd allow us to be in this word. I wonder where that is in your generation. I mean, where's that young man that gets serious about God in this generation? That young lady gets serious about God in this generation. Can I say, if anything's going to get done, it's going to be because somebody gets a hold of God. Where's your generation's Moses? Where's your generation's Jacob? Where's your generation's Enoch that'll walk with God? Where's your generation's Esther Who will stand up for such a time as this I mean who's that person in this generation That's constrained, compelled And will go forward with God Be a seeker, make a difference Be a seeker, stand in the gap Be a seeker, transcend that which is usual Stand up and stand out Make an impact for God and for others Hunger for Him, purpose in your heart Seekers are all kinds of people It doesn't matter your IQ It doesn't matter who you are i said say it again Seekers have been shepherds and priests And kings and common people But just somebody that will give themselves to God I like that old song, Little This Much, when God is in it. You know what I found out? God will get in it if you just let him. We carry the Bible, but let me ask you this. Are you seeking God? Maybe you pray for, for your meals, but are you seeking God? You sit in church services every Sunday, but are you really seeking God? Maybe you dress nice and you have Christian terminology, but are you really seeking God? There's a, a, a sermon that's well known. that sparked the great awakening. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You ever heard of that? He got in his pulpit and he just read it monotone. I mean, just read it word for word, his manuscript. Wouldn't you like it if I just preached like that the rest of the night? Psalm 119, by the way. Let's go but he just read monotone from a manuscript and revival broke out. But what most folks don't ever talk about is that for three days and three nights before he preached, he was up in an upper room fasting and praying and seeking God. And he prayed and said, God, if I give you Jonathan Edwards, would you give me New England? If I give you Jonathan Edwards, would you give me New England? And over and over again, he begged God, if I give you myself, would you give me my people, my city, my region? god took jonathan edwards you know he did he gave him new england don't you think god could still do that today maybe if one of us would get hungry and say god if i really gave you myself would you give me my lost brother if i gave you myself would you give me my lost sister if i really gave you myself would you give me my lost friends would you give me my mom my dad Lord, if I gave you myself, would you really give me my church, my city? Would you give me my generation? Why don't you just try, God, and see if He would? I wonder tonight, would you seek him? I heard a statement, they say, South America has failed because it was founded by soldiers seeking gold. North America has been successful because it was founded by pilgrims who sought God. But can I say if our nation is going to continue to be because there's a generation that rises up and says, you know what? In our generation, there's going to be one that seeks him. I'm just here to enlist tonight. That's it. Flew all the way here to preach a sermon, be a little silly, but get this point across. We need someone to stand up tonight. Uzziah sought God, and his nation prospered. I wonder if you'd be that one. I'm not asking to surrender to preach or go to a mission field. I'm just asking, would you please walk with God, hunger for God? try to have his power on your life let's bow our heads just for a moment i want to give an invitation if you'd listen please just real closely don't distract anybody i want god to speak to our heart tonight this is the most important time of the service so please don't don't be moving around too much and don't distract your neighbor but maybe you're here tonight and you say brother cooper as you preached god spoke to my heart And maybe as a young man first i'll ask you young men you'd say i God spoke to my heart. You say, pray for me, Brother Cooper. I don't know what my friends are going to do or what anybody else does, but in my heart, I want to be somebody like that that will seek after God. And you lift up your hands and say, God spoke to my heart tonight. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Many of you all over the building, I appreciate those hands. You can put them back down. Anybody else say, pray for me. What about you young ladies? Maybe that's you. You say, God spoke to my heart. I don't know what anybody else is going to do, but I want to seek him. And you lift your hand right now and say, that's my testimony. I'll, I'll be honest with you. That's, that's my desire. Boy, I appreciate those hands. That's a blessing. That's amazing. Maybe you're here right now and you say, I've got somebody on my heart that's not saved. I've got a burden. You see, Jonathan Edwards prayed and God answered his prayer and said, I want to commit to God tonight. And say, Lord, if I really give you myself, would you give me whatever that is? He said, you pray for me. I've got something like that on my heart tonight. Anybody like that? Friends, loved ones? Well, i see your hands i appreciate that i'm gonna pray with you why don't you seek him tonight lastly let me ask you this if you're tonight from the back to the front and you're not sure you're ready to meet god you don't know for sure that if you die tonight you're ready to go to heaven you'd say preacher i don't know for sure but i want you to pray for me i'm concerned about that would you lift an honest hand god knows your heart but you'd say pray for me please all right good i see your hand you can put it back down anybody else say, pray for me all right good i see your hand anybody else say pray for me not the only ones. Anybody else up and right back down? Say, pray for me. All right, good. I see your hand. You can put it back down. Thank you for that. Anybody else say, pray for me? I'm not sure about eternity. Yes, sir. I see your hand. put it back down. Anybody else say, pray for me? All right, listen, you need to know Jesus died for you, He was buried and arose again just for you. The Bible says that if you'll put your faith in Christ, He'll forgive you of your sin and He'll save you. I'm going to pray this altar will be open. Some already come to pray. But as folks begin to come, if that's you who raised your hand a minute ago, For whatever it was I asked, would you step out and come? Lord, I pray that you please bless this invitation now. I pray you'd help us to respond, to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and play if you would. Let's stand on our feet if you're able. folks.